0: Hello and welcome to the Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star-studded films, and most hyped popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Malika, Klesi, and Will, and today we're discussing Disney's latest release, Cruella.
1: Cruella Vil. <laughs> Cruella Vil.
0: if she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will <laughs> This is your official spoiler warning. If you care about the plot of Cruella, turn away now. And here is a brief summary from Letterboxd. In 1970s London amidst the punk rock revolution, a young grifter named Estella is determined to make a name for herself with her designs. She befriends a pair of young thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief, and together they build a life for themselves on the London streets. One day, Estella's flair for fashion catches the eye of the Baroness Von Hellman, a fashion legend who is devastatingly chic and terrifyingly hot. But their relationship sets in motion a course of events and revelations that will cause Estella to embrace her wicked side and become the raucous, fashionable, and revenge-bent Cruella. Okay, Clay, Will, what are your first impressions of Cruella?
2: I fucking love this movie. I went in with kind of tempered expectations. Like, I purposely didn't spend too much time looking at reviews, actually actively avoiding reviews. But, you know, some word of mouth kind of peeked through. And by the time I did go see it, I was like, okay, what are they gonna possibly gonna do? Right. Like this is in theory a very clearly evil character. How are they gonna make this work? But I think everything just came together to be greater than the sum of its parts. I had such a great time watching this in theaters. Oh, and I saw this in theaters. I went to a movie theater for the Yay. first time in like 15 months. Shout out wow. Alamo Draft House. Sponsors. Shout out
1: Alamo Draft House back on the sponsor us train for Alamo Draft House. We'll get you out of bankruptcy. Well, let's go. <laughs> now you can help get us out of bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, what were your thoughts?
1: I was very medium, lukewarm on this movie. Would you say you were whelmed? I was whelmed. I thought it was enjoyable. It didn't hit for me like it did for you, Clay. It was fun. There were parts of it I really liked, like you were saying, the the stage design and the entire fashion part of this movie I thought was really great, the costume design, I love Emma Stone in general, but for me, it was kind of less than some of its parts. I just feel like as a whole, it didn't really work and was kind of a bloated movie for me to get through, to be honest. I just didn't enjoy it the same way you did.
0: I am truly flabbergasted to hear you say that because I'm with Clay. This movie rocked my socks. I loved it. I was there for every moment of it. It didn't feel too long. It didn't feel too bloated. Emma Stone was like hitting her marks. Emma Thompson was hitting her marks. All the side characters, for the most part, I loved. They, like they were developed well and had an actual role. This was one of my favorite movies of the year already.
1: I want to be surprised, but then I thought about all the movies that. Have come out so far this year. And
0: the bar is pretty low. <laughs> there
1: haven't been a lot of good <laughs> that ones. Is fair. Yeah, there have not been That's a lot of fair. good ones.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've rated a movie more than three, three and a half so far this year. So the bar is, is at well already. And so this The bar was- is on the floor. <laughs> This was way above that for me, though. I There were so many elements of this that I just thought came together. Just like Clay said, I think you and I are, like, pretty aligned here, Clay, on, on this movie. And uh, I can't wait to, like, dig into it more and talk about all the parts we loved. Agreed. So on that note, let's talk a little bit about the direction and the cast. So this was directed by Craig Gillespie and written by Dana Fox, Tony McNamara, Aline Brosh McKenna. And, of course, was starring Emma Stone as Estella slash Cruella. And the lovely Emma Thompson as the Baroness. You also had the side characters played by Joel Fry, Paul Walter Hauser, Mark Strong, Emily Beecham, and Kirby Howell-Baptiste. So great cast. Again, as I said, I felt like all of the side characters were really strong, and the casting was excellent for me. What did you guys think?
2: Malika, yeah, I completely agree with you. The cast is what made this whole thing come together, I think, for me. Like, there are definitely some elements that were, to Will's point, there was not as tight of a movie as it maybe could have been. But I think the performances are really what kept me engaged the entire time, especially, like you said, the lovely Emma Thompson. I think she was at her wicked best in this film. I love when she gets a, a chance to show off her range. as not just a dramatic actor, but, you know, she had comedy, she had sass. She had flair. Uh, She was very believable to me as a baroness who's also a fashion designer.
0: I also love that she was a cunning bad guy. She wasn't just like an evil bitch. She actually had some smarts. And, you know, in that scene where she's with the guys from the department store, she's like, oh, well, I did my research on you too. And I was like, yes, get it. Like, I loved that she was smart.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's a trope called idiot ball where it's basically like a character is acting in a way that doesn't make any sense and is incredibly obtuse just for the sake of driving the plot along. And I don't think we got that here. I think for the most part all of the characters, when they were confronted with information that changed the course of the story, they, like, reckoned with it, and they did something about it. Nobody was, like, willfully obtuse or not really understanding what was happening. And I think a lot of what was driving the plot was just, like, characters coming together versus just weird machinations. There definitely were some sloppiness in, like, you know, some of the subplots, but I think for the yeah. most part, like, everybody was, like, on their game, which I appreciated.
0: Agreed.
1: I loved Emma Thompson as the Baroness, in this movie and for all the reasons you guys have already mentioned she was smart she was cunning she was evil but in a way that made sense like she was a titan she was a tycoon who you could see how she became the powerful woman that she was in the industry in her actions she was ruthless and did whatever it took for her to come out on top and I think one of the things about this movie that I guess why it felt a little off to me is because that's what I wanted out of the Cruella character. I wish more of the characteristics that the Baroness had, we saw in Estella and Cruella. And maybe this is my preconceived notions of the movie before going into it, but at least the Cruella that I feel like I was expecting and that I'm used to is what the Baroness was in this movie. And I, I would have at least liked to see kind of an evolution of Cruella becoming that character, maybe almost learning more from the Baroness and becoming more and more ruthless, which I guess she did in the text of the movie. But I feel like the performance on the screen, we didn't see that same level of like ambition and ruthlessness from Cruella. Because she
2: wasn't willing to murder somebody in cold blood. <laughs> kind of and, kind
0: spoiler of. alert <laughs> but i think the difference between them is cruella had people to remind her like hey maybe you shouldn't kill everyone right she had a supporting family that she found around her the baroness didn't she was just on top by herself she had henchmen but she didn't have a family so i think that's what they were trying to differentiate like cruella could have easily become the baroness but this is why she didn't and i thought that was really rich Because why give us all these other characters if they're not going to have an impact on our main character at all, right? And I think in a lot of ways, I disagree with what you just said because I think they did try to show that she was slowly becoming the Baroness, that she did have all the same tendencies. And the schemes that Cruella is putting into place, they do get more and more complicated. I thought the reveal with the dress I did not see that coming with the beads that turn into the moths. I was mind blown by that. I thought that was so cool and so clever. And there were so many parts that she had to put into place and get her to see her in the alley, and then get her friends to pretend there was a break in. Like it got really complex and showed how smart and diabolical she was, which is something the Baroness would have done, who was able to put all these pieces into place. So I thought that they were paralleling them really well, but then showing how you know at the very end when Cruella does become the Baroness, she's a Type of baroness, but still going to be, you know, the woman on top.
1: A scene that stood out to me was when the baroness and Estella, as Estella, were out to lunch, and the baroness is talking to her about Cruella and saying, You know, there's a lot about Cruella that I respect. She has the eye for fashion, she's pulling off these crazy stunts. I respect Cruella. But I have to take her out. To me, that was such like a meaty, juicy apple that the whole movie could have taken a bite out of and gone deeper into that dynamic between the two of them that it kind of missed out on. Not only because the characters were set up for that head-to-head, but you have two fantastic actresses in Emma Thompson and Emma Stone, who's my favorite actress in Hollywood right now. They have the chops to really build that up into a huge clash of the Titans. And I felt like this movie could have pulled that off, but it almost never took that headfirst dive into those two going at it. Like you were saying, I also loved the the scheme that Cruella pulled off where the dress was made out of the moth cocoons and it hatched and ruined her show. And that was when the Baroness knew that Estella was Cruella. but That happened with 25, 30 minutes left in the movie. I feel like that could have been more of the middle of the movie and the rest could have been about the dynamic between the two of them and their competitive nature. But it just came too late for me.
2: Well, I think kind of to Malika's earlier point, the reason that that Reveal maybe comes a little bit later in the movie And we don't necessarily see that head to head Is because Estella and Corella Are making a choice to not be as bad as the Baroness Had she kept escalating Their rivalry and making it more and more extreme, she would have been no better than her. And part of her evolution as a character, even though she does take on the moniker of Cruella by the end of the movie, is that she realizes that she doesn't want to go that far. And she's reminded by that because of the found family that she has. And she's reminded by it because of Jasper. And even because of the new folks that she's met and John, the valet. So like... I think that was actually the point was that she wasn't going to go to the same extremes. Like in the exchange where Estella confronts the Baroness for killing her mother, she says, you have to be more specific. So we are getting the implication that the Baroness, like this is not a one-off thing for her. She does this on the regular. So you're supposed to see in that moment with estella's hesitation that she's like oh this woman is actually much worse than i thought i thought this was just like a family quibble that escalated and maybe it could have been explained but we're getting irrefutable proof now that the baroness is just like now nah, i did what i did and i have no shame and i think that's the point in which estella she could have gone off the deep end but she didn't and like this story is ultimately about her redemption as a character for not going that far.
0: Also remember that Cruella Deville is probably like 20 something in this. So there's a lot more time for her to get more and more evil. And I don't think if they had already taken us all the way to, you know, from zero to 60, there would be nowhere for the story to go nowhere for that character to develop. And I think that would have felt a little too like, okay, here's the Cruella de you know, and love. I think they're like, here, this is a, a real person. I mean, not really, but. A good way to say There's an actual fleshed out character that has motivations. There's growth, whether it's good growth or bad growth. There's more that this character is going to do in their life.
1: I hear what you're saying, but I guess when the movie ends, Cruella is the anti-hero, right? Not even the anti-hero. She's really just the hero of this story. She never really fully dips into that anti-hero or kind of corrupted person trope that you'd see in Some a movie that I feel like we all really like in Joker, like we see that evolution of kind of an innocent, hard to say innocent, but a person who really devolves into a bad guy, and it's tragic, but you see and appreciate like the series of events that gets them there. Or it's like the show Breaking Bad, where Walter White is an anti-hero for most of the show, and then the last season spoiler alert, but come on. You can't it's, spoil a show that ended years yeah. ago.
2: I call shenanigans at this point. But
1: <laughs> Breaking Bad, at the very end, you realize, oh shit, he is like gone off the deep end. He's the bad yeah. guy yeah, now. Yeah, he's Heisenberg. And at I point. feel like Cruella, this whole movie, there was a certain point where they tiptoed all the way up to that line where it was Cruella is about to dive headfirst into... I'm becoming this ruthless tycoon and I'm going to do whatever it takes. But then they backed away from that line. And I got blue balls, man, about the movie, you know? (laughs) You got villain blue balls? I got villain blue balls. I wanted Cruella to like fully dive in and see, and to me that's almost like a more fulfilling story of her tiptoeing over that line and then crossing it and being like, okay, this is what it takes for me to be who I want to be. And then you still have that Series of events in her life that led her to becoming this mm-hmm. villain and you understand how they got there and you feel that sense of tragedy for why they had to become that person. But you understand and appreciate that like it happened, but here they just kind of like tiptoe all the way there and then they back off and they're like, well, actually she's not bad, which to me, I don't know, was a tough pill to
3: swallow.
0: So two things from what you just said there. The first is, now I get it. Like, that's what you were expecting from this movie. You were expecting sort of like a female Joker. I can see why you were super disappointed that it didn't get you there. But also, I want to remind you that this is a Disney movie. And so the fact that you had those expectations are a tad odd.
1: I, I just want to say it's not the expectations I necessarily had going into the movie. Maybe a little bit of preconceived notion. But also, I felt like the movie was building up to that for a lot for 60% of the movie it was building up to her slowly and slowly and we saw her close friends becoming her henchmen as opposed to her close friends and we saw her kind of pushing them away and then building animosity to the way she was acting and cruella still being able to string along her friends in that devolution to cruella and then like it was even justifying why they would still stick around for her when that happened, but then it just, like, never did.
0: Actually, that brings me to the second point I was going to make, is that I don't think that was supposed to be the point where, like, this is how evil Cruella is. The story is more like Wicked, you know, the book series by Gregory Maguire, where they show you a different side of like the Wicked Witch of the West, right? She's just a normal girl who's misunderstood, and society paints her as wicked. And that's how I saw this movie. It's like, she was never an evil character. She was a tragic character who tiptoed That line, or she got really close to that line falling over into pure evil, but she was pulled back by her friends and by her own desire to be good. You know, she keeps going back to that fountain and is like, I'm trying, mom, I'm trying. Those are really human sweet moments where she's kind of fighting her own nature here to want to do the destructive thing. And I thought that was super great and there was so much there to hold on to.
1: But even to that point, I think they could have left Cruella As a more ambiguous whether or not she was good or bad. You think she was too good at the end? I do. I think she was too good at the end. Because even now with the sequels, it's interesting to me because I read this as a prequel. Like At the end, Roger has Pongo. Anita has whatever yeah, the girl, yeah. lady, lady, the lady, right? Perdita. Yes. No, oh, Perdita. Perdita. Lady in the and tramp. Yeah. <laughs>
0: lady in the tramp.
1: And it's like clearly setting up the start of the 101 Dalmatian story. And so for me, it's going to be kind of weird if in Cruella, Cruel Deville has this whole character arc of, you know, approaching this ambiguous good or bad guy, but then coming back around to like making the right choices and being the good guy at the end. And then if it follows with a more similar story to the original 101 Dalmatians, how are they gonna balance that line with if she's a good guy or a bad guy in that story? And it would have been To me, more satisfying or interesting if it left it in an ambiguous spot. And then you could take it anywhere from there. Whereas here, it's kind of like she made the right choices. She was the good person. She didn't do anything over the line. And it just kind of leaves her as the good guy.
0: I hear you, but I think that if they had done that, I would have disliked it more. Because I like that this movie had a point of view. It's like, this is what we're trying to say. We think that Cruella is misunderstood. She's a human. She has this alter ego. That's what she has to tap into to do the bad things. But, you know, Estella is trying to be good. But if they were like, oh, who is she? Who's this? Like, I don't know. It would have been too wishy washy. And I would have been like, what are you trying to say? What is the point of this movie?
2: Yeah, I would agree with that, Malika. If I had to guess at like a thesis statement for this movie, I would say that it's about like identity and it's about you are who you surround yourself with. So that's not to say that the Cruella from the end of this movie couldn't eventually become evil because we also don't know what the plot of the sequels, we don't know what the timeline's gonna be. We don't know if the dogs will be grown. So like there's no guarantee that the next movie in this cinematic evolution is going to be about Purdy and Pongo's puppies and what happens there. There could be a stepping stone. So I think the reason why this movie ends on maybe a more kind of optimistic note than you were ready for, Will, is because they want to have that room to show the descent into villainy that we expect of a Cruella based off of the original canon or to maybe go another way. I honestly think these movies are not necessarily straight prequels. I think they could be reimaginings. And I think they want to leave the door open Based off of the critical and audience mm-hmm. response to decide how they want to take the character going forward. And maybe that is a little non-committal, but I still enjoyed the movie for what it was. And it's fine if you didn't, but I think at the end of the day, I went into this movie hoping to have a good time and I had a great time. Yeah. I enjoyed the performances, I enjoyed where the movie was taking me, I enjoyed the set pieces and the costumes. So the impression that I have of the movie is less impacted by the what ifs and more impacted by what I saw and what I saw I enjoyed. So
1: and that's totally right, and I don't mean to say that my impression of this movie was even strongly affected by what the sequel is going to be because it it really wasn't. It was even to You'll the point, with yeah, and <laughs> even to the point of like thematically that Cruella is a multi dimensional, complicated person. The character of the Baroness kind of flies in the face of that theme for the movie because. They just paint the Baroness as a total one-dimensional bad guy, which isn't a problem for me because I like the Baroness a lot. I love the character. I love the character of the Baroness more than I like the character of Cruella. I think they just did a good job of making her interesting, funny, ruthless. And she was kind of just like one-dimensional, but it's hard to like say the theme of this movie, Cruella is maybe complicated, misunderstood. There's a reason why she is perceived this way, but then present the Baroness is basically the Cruella of this film, of just like yeah, just the bad guy.
0: Yeah, I can see that, but I think she also has the role of being the foil, right? You're like this is what she could have been, but she went the other direction. I think that's super valuable. And I think they try to flesh her out, right? That lunch scene where she kind of explains herself, the scene I mentioned earlier with the guys from the department store, you see her inner workings and what led her to be this, you know, stone-cold bitch, essentially, right? She's a woman on top in a a male-driven industry. And she's (laughs) able to, yeah, in the 70s, she's able to maintain her image and, like, the prestige of her house. That's not easy, right? And sometimes you have to shut off the world in order to do that. And honestly, that was enough for me to believe that that is what drove the Baroness. Like, that was enough. I believed it. I didn't need more. I did not think she was one-dimensional at all. I just felt like she was somebody who had to close herself off in order to succeed in life.
2: Yeah. I think to keep going at that, because uh, we love our movie comparisons here, the <laughs> yes. Baroness was clearly Miranda Priestley from The yes. Devil Wears Prada. If you consider the context of the times, her actions were understandable, if not necessarily relatable. So I understood, maybe I've watched too much of The Crown and too much of Downton Abbey, but like I totally understand that like idea of being a kept woman and having a life that was thrust upon you. And she clearly had other ambitions for herself. So while giving away her baby and expecting it to be killed was clearly the villain-defining moment for her, I don't think that was in a vacuum. I think that took place in all the social context of being a kept woman of that time and she is rebelling against probably that title and those expectations and it's interesting that you don't actually ever hear her name she's only referred to as the Baroness throughout the entire movie and I thought that was interesting because that is a title that she married into and she adopted and she's basically taking that name and flipping it on his head because a Baroness is not expected to work they're not expected to do the types of things that she's doing. And she's like, I'm a Baroness. I'm fucking doing what I want. Say something about it. I think that was more the point of the Baroness's character.
1: But to that entire point, like I agree that there's meat there with the Baroness. And even bringing in the Devil Wears Prada, what made the Devil Wears Prada enjoyable and good was that dynamic relationship between Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep. It was a back and forth between how they are affecting one another and i guess in cruella you see how cruella is affecting emma thompson and then off screen or in different scenes you see how the baroness is affecting cruella but like there wasn't as much as that back and forth between two like dynamite stud actresses that i felt like could have been there like seeing them play off each other i think there was a huge juicy steak there that they could have like gone in and devoured with that dynamic. And like they just kind of like poured ketchup all over it. And you're like, ugh, man.
2: What I'm hearing, Will, is that if you had gotten three more scenes of Emma Thompson and Emma Stone sparring verbally, you're like, this is a perfect movie.
1: That's I don't know about hearing. perfect, but it would have been
2: good. What's on the cutting room floor, Craig Gillespie? I want to know. What are the deleted scenes? Maybe Will will be happy with the director's cut.
1: I, I think you're right. That's my what I would have changed is more... The Emma versus Emma, Cruella and the Baroness, like their dynamic going back and forth, using each other to like build up this dynamic fashion industries, their own fashion brands against each other. I just thought that was a big missed opportunity. I think it would have just added more flavor to each of the characters. Like even the scene where Estella is at the department store and she goes into the window setting and she's drinking and then she passes out and then she wakes up and it's like redone in this totally new like almost 80s punk fashion derelict derelict I even thought that was an opportunity to like see the genius of Cruella like if they would have had a scene of her creating that window piece and like showing her style in there and how she took apart the traditional wardrobe piece that was in there and made this like new Cruella style like that was something that you could see the genius of Cruella and why she has this future but instead it's like she falls asleep while it's one thing and she wakes up passed out
3: i feel like everything that you're wanting is going to happen in the second yeah, film because I agree. everything is so clumsy right now where she's like a kitten trying to like fight a full-grown cat and she's right. like stumbling through it and she's just like pawing at the adult cat to see like what the response is and she just ends up getting a nice hit framing her for murder spoiler alert and the repercussions of what she has done is going to be catastrophic and like now the game is on and the now is a foot be, dear like, watson yeah, yeah. <laughs> this whole thing was about cruella like stumbling into Mm -hmm. this and being pushed into this persona and like feeling all of these emotions and this backstory that is starting who she is going to be and we haven't seen what the title match of what is going to come
2: we're like that title
0: match well said. And you're right. This is more of a coming of age movie than anything. What we wanna see is probably like two, three movies even down the line, as she becomes a more mature woman and more deeply Cruella. She's still shedding that Estella skin, you know?
2: I think ultimately, too, kind of to defend Will a little bit, because I feel like we all have been like,
0: Pylon. Uh, if you just like the movie, we wouldn't have to pummel him. I that's I a liked good
2: point. It. That's a good point. All right. But what I was gonna say is that inherently this is a villain story, right? Like we all are expecting at the end of whatever this is, whether it's two movies, three, like I don't know like what the ultimate cinematic plan that Disney has in store, right? But we all are thinking in the back of our minds, the end goal is this person ends up a villain. How many times do we get that? There's really not that much to compare it to. Like we've talked about Joker, obviously, because that's probably the most like prescient comparison. But I think part of the problem is that there's no villain's journey in the same way there's a hero's journey.
0: Yeah. So, Will what, since you weren't fully satisfied with this film. Let's start with you. What would be the one thing, and please pick just one thing, that you would change to make this movie tighter?
1: Clay, you said it kind of jokingly, but I think I would have liked it a lot more if, like, the first 40 minutes of this movie were up, basically up until the point the first time they try to steal the necklace at the party and they need distraction like up into that point, if they basically condensed that down to from like 45 minutes to 20 minutes, and then they added three more scenes of Emma and Emma going head to head to me, I feel like that would have been a much more interesting dynamic and you could have gotten deeper into those conversations and themes of the Baroness being one side of the coin of like, she went all the way over to that side of being completely ruthless to get what she wanted and then Cruella being the other side of the coin and maybe recognizing themselves in each other and like deciding not to go down that path. A few more scenes of the two of them together, like the scene that they had in the restaurant, I think would have pulled that thread of the sweater a little bit more.
0: I can see that. I also really like the scene where um, Cruella shows up at the party in the red dress and they, they sit down and she's like, I want power. That's why I'm here. Like, don't you get Another it? And, like, great they scene. Have, Another like, great scene. Some, you know, witty back and forth. And yeah, I kind of agree. I would like to have seen more Cruella and the Baroness interact. We saw a lot of Estella and the Baroness, but if we had more of that sort of like, look at us, we're equals now and now we're going at it. I think that could have been good.
1: Just to tack on a little bit more to that when the Baroness was like, if you have to talk about power, you don't have power. And then Cruella says, well, I don't have power. That's why I'm here talking to you. I was like, oh, that is some heat right there. Like that is some heat. And then it just kind of like, oh, I wanted more of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Well, I definitely agree. I would have wanted more of those scenes, but I do think had we had more direct interactions between the Baroness and Cruella, they actually would have done a disservice to the Baroness because she comes on pretty quickly because of the number of interactions she has with Corella versus Estella. Yeah, Had she true. spent more time with Corella, she would have realized who was behind this the whole time. So it would have made her seem like a bit of an idiot to be duped. If you're right. spending time with, with Estella every day and then you're running into Corella every night and you're just like, how could right. you not have put this together?
0: And she starts to suspect, right? Like, after a while, she's like, is it her? And then, you know, the ballet is like, no, no, it's not. But you know that she's, like, on to her. And then, obviously, the, the dress with the moths, like, gives it away. But I agree with Clay. Like, actually, I agree with both of you. Like, I would have wanted more, but I get it also that, like, they had to pick a balance. And honestly, if they were to shave some of the beginning, because I think the school bit was a tad long. Honestly, you could just cut it and not replace it. It was a pretty long movie. It was two hours and uh, like 15 minutes or something. And while I loved every single minute of it, I don't know if it necessarily needed to be that long, you know?
2: You could have cut every montage because there were many. I love them, but you could have cut every montage by 10% and you would have saved like 20 minutes of this movie. Right. And then you could have added in a lot of those scenes that Will was after. So I think that's a happy compromise. I think we're yeah. all on the same page about that.
0: It didn't hurt the movie in my perspective, but it, it w- maybe would have helped it a little bit for people like Will.
2: Agreed. But I will say one thing that I thought was pitch perfect about the movie, no matter what, is the flawless Emma Thompson. I felt like this was a role she was born to play. I love when she gets to flex her muscles. We talked about Last Christmas a while back in the pod and how that was a very disappointing (laughs) role in terms of Emma Thompson's acting and the fact that she was involved with the writing of the movie. It was just a really... Bad movie all around. And this felt like the exact opposite. This felt like her at the top of her game. She seemed like she was having so much fun. I wouldn't be surprised if there were like stories on the production of like her just like having a blast with the cats and crew in between takes. Because she seemed to be like in her element. Yeah. And to me, like they could not have done a better job casting this, except maybe if you have gotten Merrill. Well, Merrill's probably too old at this point to so have played the Baroness, but Literally, who else could have played this character? No one.
0: I mean, you could have gotten Meryl, but then everyone would have been like, oh, wait, aren't you just playing your role from Devil Wears Prada? I think they needed a different actress. And uh, Emma Thompson totally slayed this. I thought Emma Stone was awesome. Honestly, we mentioned at the top of the, the pod, but I thought all of the acting was great. There wasn't a single person where I thought their acting was subpar. So good job, cast.
1: So on the note of the acting, I wanted to bring up Paul Walter Hauser, who played Horace. First of all, this dude has to have the best agent in the world because (laughs) he has been in like some really great movies the past five years, movies and shows, and they're perfect for him as an actor. And every single time I see him, including this movie, when I first see his character and just him on screen, I'm like, this dude is super annoying. And then after like 30 minutes... I come around and I like him. And he's great. Like even he's great. At the beginning of the movie, I was like, ugh, this guy's annoying, especially because his cockney accent was so over the top and like not. It was what the accents (laughs) in general
2: outside of Emma Thompson were something to the whole But it it ended up working for me. I agree.
1: It ended up working for me. And even I don't know if you guys have seen Cobra Kai, but his character in Cobra Kai, even when he first comes in, I'm like, Really? Are we doing this? And then by the end I'm like, fucking stingray. Let's go.
0: Oh my god, he's Stingray. (laughs) Before we go on to our J.B. Smoove Award, I did want to also put a nomination out there for what I thought was Pitch Perfect, which is the music. I loved it. It was like yeah. rock and roll, 1970s. I think they, they pretty much stayed in that decade. It just felt like every song was just like, yes, this is like the right music. It just pumped me up. And honestly, I think it was a huge part of what kept me engaged for the full two hours. Um, I have a notorious short tension span, but there was not a moment where I was bored. I didn't look at my phone. I was there for it. And I think beyond the acting, I think it was the music that just had me pumped the entire time.
1: I agree. And I remember in the theater turning to my roommate, Tristan, who I saw it with. In the middle just being like this soundtrack is fire. They're playing bangers only. It's so
2: good. It's so good. And it was period appropriate, like you said, Malika. And like it was loud, it was fast, like everything thematically fit together with what was on screen. And to me, like that's what the music cues should do. I think they did a really good job.
0: And that brings us to our JB Smooth Award. Who are your nominations?
2: I mean, I think we all agree, right? Like, as much as we love Mark Strong, he's a wonderful actor, wonderful character actor, usually love when he appears in films. He was just such a weird reserved character and his motivations didn't really add up. It's like he's the Baroness's henchman, but then he's helping Cruella. But why is he doing any of this? I thought at one point he was the biological father, like, <laughs> right. it was just really bizarre. Yeah. And like, I loved him, but he was like in a different
1: movie. Like he was like in... The
3: James Bond villain. I don't know. He didn't belong here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It almost makes less sense that he wasn't the father. Because even in the scene when she was opening the chest with the key from the necklace, I was like, oh, it's going to show that he is her father. And that's why he recognized (laughs) her mom. And then he was like.
0: Why he saved her. Yeah, why he
1: (laughs) saved her. And then. It's like the Baronesses, And I'm like, well, then why are you here, bro? Like,
0: yeah. What is your deal? How'd you get the chest? how did you steal it? Like what's going on? Why didn't you help her before? Why did you wait for this moment? Why did you wait for her to almost die to step in?
1: Yeah. And then you,
0: you help her get, take the Baroness down who you've been loyally serving all this time. I know he was all over the place. And like, as you may have heard throughout the, this pod, we keep being like, most of the actors, most of the characters, he is the the standout for us for just like for not working. And honestly, you could lose him and the movie would be fine. Sure, you need other characters to do some of the actions like saving her, but you could have had other people do it. You didn't have to be him.
2: I'd like to step on your toes well a little bit and propose a, a thing that we could have changed to make this movie better. I felt like I love the Anita and Roger side characters. Obviously, it's like, oh, they're the ones that are going to have Perdita and Pongo in the future, but they didn't really have a ton to do for the most part. And you could have easily had Anita, who is a journalist in this movie, instead of being a fashion designer like she is in 101 Dalmatians, you could have had her being the one to start investigating the Baroness because there was already animosity there. And then she would have partnered with Estella to take down the Baroness. She could have been the one to uncover Estella's true parentage and be like, oh my God, you're the rightful heir. She's your mother. And you wouldn't have needed the Mark Strong character. And it would have gave Anita more to do. They could have brought in Roger since he was a lawyer and be like, hey, Roger, we need your help Mm -hmm. to verify these legal documents because he got fired by the Baroness. They could have easily like incorporated those characters a little bit more and had lost john who mark strong played and the movie would have been all the better for it so Agreed. yeah that's my proposal for one thing i that love that idea
0: i think that could have been so much tighter hire
2: me disney like oh yeah.
0: i got english degree
1: that's a better what should have <laughs> changed than what i had and also kirby howell baptiste who played anita i know her mainly from the show barry but she is fucking hilarious in barry and I felt like she could have done a lot more than what they gave for the role of Anita.
0: Yeah, and she's a rising star. I think she's been in a bunch of high profile shows. I think she was in Killing Eve. Yep. Is she in Killing Eve though, right? She is, that, yeah. Right?
1: Killing Eve, okay. the good place. Oh, I
0: haven't seen that show still. Barry. Oh, The
1: Good
2: Place. Oh, the That's good the other one. Oh duh. She plays oh. the Australian. Oh. All right, Malika, I know this is sometimes hit or miss, but do you have a fun fact for Cruella?
0: I do this time. I do. I do. The fun fact is a little stretch per usual. So at this time, I have one about Emma Stone, our beautiful Emma Stone. So I was watching an interview with her on MTV News, which I didn't realize was still a thing. Um, And her real name is not Emma. Her name is actually Emily, but for SAG reasons had to change it to Emma. And apparently at one point for three weeks, she picked the name Riley and it was like, oh, that's too far. And then went back to Emma, which is closer to Emily. But all of the people that know her in her inner circle... Still call her Emily, but like Emma, sort of her stage name or her professional name. Um, so if you ever meet her, call her Emily, and she'll think that you know her.
2: There you go. Wow. My whole worldview is rocked right now. Wow. Is anything true? Celebrities exactly. lie to us. What's happening?
0: And then my second fact is about Corella Deville, the cartoon character. Back in 2014, I think Forbes put together a list of the richest. Disney villains, and she came second Ooh. to Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> um, I should have had you guys guess, but Scrooge McDuck I is, got that right. has, is a billionaire. And I think Cruella DeVille, they had pegged her to be- Like hondo mill? I think one billion was her, her net value. So Awful fashion? girl is successful. Fashion, fashion, yeah. fashion house, Are we Cruella? talking- Cruella. Yeah. I mean, she inherits a ton of money, but then she also it. Oh, that's fair. It. She is. She does not Are a we talking- She's a baroness.
1: Cruella- DeVille from the cartoon or the 1996 Glenn Close Cruella DeVille live action?
0: I didn't ask 2014 (sighs) Forbes.
1: All right, I guess we'll have to assume.
0: So, dear listeners, we actually have a treat for you. We have a brand new award that we're going to start giving out every podcast here on out. And we like to name our awards after the first person or thing or animal or whatever to win it. And so this award is called the Wink Award. I can't believe we didn't even talk about Wink because he I was, it up for was the best character in this movie for me he was helpful, he was adorable, he was loyal. He was all the things you want from a character. And so the first Wink Award for best side character who steals the show goes to my boy Wink.
1: And I have to say, I think animal sidekick characters are super hard to pull off because, like, once again, it's a fine line between a good animal sidekick and then the three monkeys with homeless baby in <laughs> from, from raya, raya? and then it's just like too far over the top wink you crushed it crushed you it. approached wink the line a real of being cute and also helpful but not over the top so shout out to you wink
0: well honestly like buddy is a great foil for him because buddy was kind of useless and i didn't really need him buddy in didn't the story do shit. <laughs> yeah maybe he caused a little bit of trouble but like meh wink really provided a lot more value than buddy did and Honestly, also Buddy CGI at oh, times. I was a just gonna say to Wink
1: gets extra credit because when he was CGI'd, it was harder to tell. But when all the other dogs were CGI'd, it was like that's a CGI dog.
2: Maybe because he was smaller. That's the only thing I could think of. Because yeah, the CGI and the other dogs was trash. Wink's the best. I mean, Wink's there's really the nothing best. else to shout out. Wink.
0: That's right. <laughs> Sponsor, <laughs> Sponsor us, Wink. <laughs> On that note, what do you guys rate this movie?
1: Mine's gonna be lower, and obviously I'm the bad guy of this podcast, so uh, hey, the Cruella. The Cruella of the podcast, so I'll thee. give it a three point zero 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 one out of five. Of the future eyeshadows.
2: <laughs> what? Oh my god! Higher so, than I yeah, expected.
3: Cruella it. de Will.
2: Oh shit! <laughs> it was
1: good. It wasn't anything. Better Honestly, that's than a good. higher
2: rating I thought you're gonna give it all. Yeah, too. No, I liked
1: it. Wow. We're moving on before he changes his I mind.
2: Like parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: 3.0001. Next.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. Obviously, I like this movie a lot more than Will did. I don't think it was perfect. There are definitely, you know, things that could have been approved. I made one suggestion already, but I had such a blast watching this movie. I would give this movie a four point one five out of five stolen family heirlooms.
0: Honestly, Clay, yours is even lower than I expected. So I'm going to give this movie a 4.5. I really loved it. And again, it's not perfect. There's a lot of things that could be tweaked to get it to a five, but I thought it was exactly what I signed up for. You know, it delivered. And also I always look at like rewatchability, definitely would watch this again. Enjoyability, enjoyed every minute of it, as I said before, that nothing really bothered me. There weren't plot holes that like ate at me. It was just like Solid, solid movie. So 4.5 out of five garbage dresses for sure for this one.
2: Aaron, our erstwhile sound producer, what would you rate this movie?
3: I give this movie 4.25 garbage truck getaways. I really enjoyed this film. Like the music cues and everything kept me engaged throughout all like the lulls and the transition points. Thematically, it was great. There was like a lot of points where it kept me on my toes, lots of surprises. Yeah, it it reminded me a lot of like the Joker or Dark Knight Rises in terms of like, you know, a little more cutesy, obviously, and right. a little bit lighter, but I enjoyed it quite it's a like bit. Like a
0: girl boss Joker. Right. Joker,
2: but make it chic. Make it derelict. <laughs> yeah, exactly. hobo
0: chic.
3: To what
1: you're saying, Aaron. something I do give this movie credit for was that I feel like it didn't take itself too seriously it wasn't afraid to be like yeah. cutesy and uh, kind of campy almost like oh yeah it
0: yeah. owned it it was like this is who we are and we're okay like with that.
2: it and I mean at one point she dumped, She falls out of a garbage truck into what seems to be a pile of trash only to reveal it is a like 60 foot long trail to her gown I loved yes, it I love that camp. reveal give me fears there's probably going to be a whole Met Gala inspired by this movie <laughs>
0: Right. There were a lot of things that felt familiar, like we've talked about Devil Wears Prada, a Bunch and Joker, but there were enough things that surprised us, like the garbage dress, like the the moth dress, that made it still seem fresh. And, you know, of course, the acting carried us over the edge in the music. So I stand by my 4.5. Any last thoughts to carry us home, guys?
1: Uh, final thoughts. I just want to get this out there for posterity because I haven't seen anyone else make this joke yet and i just want to be the first <laughs> to do it but deville wears pod <gasps> oh, uh, oh anyone? shit anyone oh, shit you heard it first deville wears <laughs> Pada. it's good
0: terrible you kicked out the oh, podcast oh my gosh i love a good pun uh clay
2: i have nothing to say after that <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last thing I'll say before we wrap up is I hope that the success of this movie and Maleficent before it sort of spurs this Disney evil villain trend because I love the Disney villains. Like, I listen to their music all the time. I feel like that's very on brand for me. But, like, wouldn't you love to see, like, a young Ursula? How did she get exiled? Tell me the story. Like, I feel like there's so much good stuff to mine there. Like, we the heroes have had their day. Let's talk about the villains now, Wow, so Malika's... So. Because-
2: ultimate hot take is that fuck your heroes villains all day malika i literally could not
1: disagree any more (laughs) like after this and maleficent i'm like enough we don't need fucking gaston eating three dozen eggs as a boy why does
2: he love eggs give me that backstory does he raise on a farm
1: yeah i could not disagree more
2: and i am in the middle If it's good, give it to me. If it's bad, throw it away.
0: (laughs) I don't think you need to give every single one a movie. Like, I don't need to know about the young Scar being like, oh, man, Mavasa so much cooler. But Ursula, I feel like there's some good ones out there that we could dig into. The Evil Witch and Snow White.
2: This could be the movie that tears us all apart. They're so
1: basically (laughs) evil. You don't need more backstory. They're just bad guys.
0: Not everything's black and white. I know, Will. but
1: just for the sake of like the fairy tale, oh, whatever. Like oh my god, hair. we didn't even
2: talk about the hair. Okay, I changed my mind. My final thought is the fact that she was born with the black and white hair was just like okay, that set the tone for like this shit's gonna be off the rails, <laughs> and I was on board the entire. Day. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, the wigs could have been a little. But honestly, like, how do you make a half white, half black wig look natural? That's
1: actually a perfect example, too, of like the not taking itself too seriously camp side of it, where at first when I was like, so her hair is just black and white. And then I was like, you know what? (laughs) I accept it. It works. That's
0: who she is. Yeah. And she was never apologetic or felt bad about it. She only hit it because she got in trouble. Right. And I love that about her. She's like, I'm a badass genius. I am who I am. And awesome character to follow through her story. So... Anyway, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. As always, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at CynicalPod. And our incredible contributor, producer, engineer, best friend for life, Aaron Kelly at ak.audio on Instagram.
1: Oh we, should we should start a We should start a band.
0: Oh, man, no.
1: Podcast is over? Wow.
0: We're your hosts, Malika, Klesia, and William. (laughs) We're your hosts, Malika, Klesia, and (laughs) William. What? (laughs) We're your hosts, Malika. Oh, God. Jesus dick shit.
3: Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs)